1: The Chicago Bears offseason is well underway as we get set to talk draft and free agency in the offseason. And what better way to start it with a preview of how the Senior Bowl is going, as I bring on Jacob Infante, who's live at the scene, to tell us what's happened on day one. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And today, I've got a special guest with you in a special situation, as Jacob Infante, who's at the Senior Bowl, is joining us for day one of his reactions and updates to being live at the Senior Bowl practice. If you're like me, Bears fans, it's been a couple weeks since the Bears' season ended, And you know what? It's about time to get into off-season mode. And how better to do that than to start talking about the draft. Jacob, how was your day today?
2: Hey, thanks, Robert. Uh, It was great. I had a lot of fun down in Mobile. Uh, It's a new experience for me. I've never been down here. Uh, I've never been in the state of Alabama, let alone, you know, be down here in Mobile. So a lot of firsts here for me, but it was fun being able to be there in person and, you know, watch these practices happen in real life because I've been watching them on TV Uh, for years now so it's really cool to be able to actually be there and see it in person
1: I can't imagine what it must have been like for you because by the way you're doing us a real service not only helping start some of these draft uh, like draft mutterings for the rest of us that don't know the names of like the top 32 collegiate athletes in the world let alone how many are there there about a hundred 150 like what what kind of size are we looking at
2: yeah, so the actual list, the actual amount of people who accepted invitations this year is 145. Wow, uh, which is by far the biggest that I've seen. It. Uh, I know that a couple people opted out. Like Kyle Trask isn't going to be in it, even though he was he accepted. Uh, Liam Eichenberg wasn't listed on the Senior Bowl roster, the Notre Dame tackle. Uh, I didn't hear any specific. Reasoning for that, but a couple people opted out. But regardless, it's probably somewhere I think 136 is the final tally of people who are actually practicing. So it's a really big class this year in unprecedented circumstances.
1: That's wild. And it's funny you mentioned Trask. I'm actually a little surprised he did opt out. I mean, look personal reasons are important. We've said it about Eddie Goldman, so we can only say the same about Kyle Trask, but it is a little interesting given the, let's just say, not ideal note that his season ended on, that he's not trying to put something else on tape, but hey, to each their own. I'll ask a personal question before we jump into things. Was it kind of cool not just getting to be in person for the practices, but getting to look to your left and your right and know that you're not the owner or you are somebody that gets to sit in a room with a bunch of really important football people at those same practices.
2: Yeah, honestly, that was really cool to me. Uh, everything was kind of uh, spaced out, so I didn't get to see everybody who was there. Uh, I was in the same row as Matt Miller, uh, who used to be with Bleach Report. He now has his own website. Uh, there were a handful of other guys. I, But he was, he was the biggest one I got to see in person. So it was – regardless very I don't know in a a sense it was humbling also because you know I feel like you know I'm just this guy and I look around and I see people who I you know follow on Twitter I you know catch up on their work uh so and being among them was actually really cool so from a personal perspective that was awesome uh and then you know just being able there to go there and do my job and watch prospects I mean I can't complain it was a great time
1: No, I bet you can't. And so run us through, before we get into the nitty gritty, the uh, the general senior bowl schedule so that I can know what to ask you about. Because based on my conversations with EJ, what? It involves a weigh-in, it involves some practices, it involves conversations afterwards of media availability. Am I getting it right so far? Is there anything I missed?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, you got everything pretty much, you know, right on track. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, they have very, they have occasional... Uh, Q and A opportunities, but I person that those happen also in the middle of practice. So say while the national team is going on, they call it national and American instead of North and South. That's the first time they've done that. Uh, Say if the national team is playing, they'll have like four players on the American team available for Q and As. Uh, I didn't go into that this time because I was you know catching up on the actual uh, film that was going well, actual practices that were going on rather, but. Yeah, it goes the weigh-ins and the measurements and everything. And then the practices have a bunch of different segments. And then while those are going on the Q and A's and then afterwards, they have a bunch of uh, media availability. So it's a very packed day. Uh, from start to finish.
1: I can only imagine. And you're the one who has all the experience here. So from top to bottom, and don't forget to tell us, like not just player, but also position, because if a lot of listeners are like me, this is this really is my start to draft. You've got the floor, Jacob. Tell us about day one.
2: All right. So day one, I actually arrived a little bit late because, like I was saying earlier, uh, things were originally shut down to the media because there was inclement weather, uh, there was rain in, you know, South Alabama. I heard North Alabama, there's like a tornado or something, but eventually the rain didn't hit as hard as expected. So they called it back on like 20 minutes before practice started. So I had to grab all my things. I had to hustle. I had to, uh, hop in an uber i had to you know do a ride share with another with one of my uh colleagues at the draft wire uh gavino borquez uh i was you know i rode in with him so yeah the actual practice itself was a lot of fun though uh from what i was able to watch uh i'm going to start with the quarterbacks because you know the bears offseason that's the big thing everyone's you know worrying about the quarterback position the quarterbacks they were okay as a whole uh I think very few of them necessarily stood out to me and say, well, these guys are amazing, but none of them really stood out to me in the way of, oh, this guy's terrible.
1: Who did we have there?
2: Yeah, so on one team, it's Mack Jones from Alabama, Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, and uh, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. And then the other team is Felipe Franks from Arkansas, who was at Florida before, uh, Ian Book from Notre Dame, and Sam Ellinger from Texas. So those are the six guys who are there today. And out of the six, I think Jamie Newman was the guy who stood out to me the most. And considering the fact he didn't even play in 2020, that was impressive to me because, you know, you've got all that rust around you and he didn't seem to show it. His arm looked the strongest out of the bunch. He had good velocity behind his throws and he was generally pretty accurate, which I was kind of surprised with because his tape tends to be a little bit up and down in terms of his ability to uh, accurately stretch the field. Uh, so in that regard, I think Jamie Newman was the best. Uh, Mac Jones had a solid, get, a solid day. It wouldn't say he wowed me particularly. He was accurate from short range, but his velocity on his you know, throws was okay. And he, he had a couple of uh, instances where there might've been miscommunication between him and the receiver. I remember there were a couple of instances where it looked like he thought the receiver was running a different route and he completely uh, either overshot or completely underthrew someone. And I feel like part of that was just, you know, more of chemistry than anything else, which is something I was, you know, interested in finding out. Cause everyone's like, Oh, Mac Jones has Jalen Waddle and Devante Smith, two of the best wide receivers in the nation. Is this just, uh, is, is he just a product of his situation or is he legitimately good? So obviously things are going to be a little bit different on the first day, but I feel like he could have had a better day. It wasn't, again, it wasn't bad, but you know, nonetheless, well, like you're saying, amidst
1: a crop of quarterbacks that I, I hope I'm not stepping out of bounds here, we're looking at a bunch of guys that should top out, but aside from Mac Jones, in maybe the second round, if somebody really sees a gem in their eyes, but probably starting around the third round, right? Like that's where Book and Mond and the rest of them would potentially start to go. Am I? Like, is that correct?
2: Uh, yeah, I'd say that's about correct. I feel like, uh, it seems to be that there are the consensus top four quarterbacks Mm -hmm. are going to go in the first round. And then Mac Jones is going to go in the first round likely as well, but he is decidedly a little bit below the rest of those guys. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you're looking at late day two, early day three uh, territory. I think out of all the other uh, guys, I think Jamie Newman has the most intriguing tools I think he goes around that round four, round five mark, but I could see him going as high as round three if a team mm-hmm. really falls in love with his skill set. Uh, I, I like Kellen Mon personally. I think mm-hmm. that he'd be a really good early day three target, and he was solid. He was not He was pretty consistent with his accuracy. He didn't necessarily wow me, but he was pretty good. So That's I, great. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't complain. He's a guy, my last mock draft I did actually. Good. I had him yeah. as... Yeah, I had him as an option in the – what was it? I think it might have been the fourth round or the fifth round, one of the two, because I remember trading back Mm -hmm. in the second round to pick up another uh, fourth-round pick. But Regardless, I liked what I saw from Kellen Mond for sure.
1: But either way, that means that Mac Jones, if he is going to go in the first round, probably should have stood out a little more. Right. I mean, granted, like you like you've mentioned, and to make sure these aren't scrimmages and it's not as if everybody just lines up and plays 11 on 11. So Mac Jones's field reading is not on display. Like if he is some kind of a super brain, we're not going to see it. But from a tools perspective, he looked just about in the mold of everybody else.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that that's basically where he is at this point. He stands out because he can go through progressions pretty well. He can look past, you know, do his second and even third read at times. And he works a lot better in a full-on 11 on 11 scrimmage than he does in one-on-ones. That's where you're going to see some of the more toolsy guys, you know, kind of show their stuff. And, you know, I think that uh, was apparent in the way that today's workout went. I feel like. Mac Jones could have done better. I don't feel like there's a super high ceiling in those sort of circumstances. I do want to see a little bit more of how he does in scrimmage because from what I saw uh, in those scrimmages they ran the ball a lot and they didn't really do a whole lot to put his uh, progression ability in display.
1: Well, while that's a bummer, that's a great segue into exactly the other position class that I'm dying to hear about. Because if you got to see a bunch of run butler plays, then um, am I safe to assume you got to see a lot of run blocking? You got to see a lot of offensive line.
2: Yeah, uh, I did get to see quite a bit of offensive linemen, and I was very uh, excited with what I saw from this group. Uh I want to say the one big winner that I saw was Deontay Smith from East Carolina. He's an offensive tackle prospect, and he was listed super undersized in college. He was four, I believe. So for a D one offensive tackle, that's on the lighter side. But he not only did he measure in at six foot five, which is an inch bigger than I was expecting. Like you rarely see that with draft prospects, but he weighed in at 290 pounds, which is still a bit undersized, but the fact that he was able to make that much of an improvement in his weight is definitely uh, commendable. And I saw that show up on tape. He looked nasty at the point of attack. He uh, he was strong in his hands and was able to pummel guys into the dirt. And he's also a good athlete too. So that's something I was really interested in. Uh, He has the longest arms I found out in the senior bowl this year. So the longest wingspan, he's able to, uh, attack guys, you know, lock guys out of the point of attack. And it's tough when you got a guy with those big of arms, it's really, uh, impressive. So, yeah, I think Deontay Smith was the big winner. Uh, I think, uh, Aaron Banks, a guard out of Notre Dame was definitely impressive. Uh, Jalen Moore attack a lot of Western Michigan was impressive. Uh, and I'll admit, I, I, I'm looking forward to being able to watch offensive linemen more uh, this uh, next practice in the weeks to come because I didn't get as much of an opportunity as I wanted to to watch offensive linemen because I was seated near the uh, receivers and defensive backs. So next week, I'm definitely going to make, or not next week, tomorrow rather, day two of practices. I'm definitely looking forward to getting a little bit more experience with these offensive linemen in this class.
1: Well, that's awesome that not only that we get to hear about more, but also that you can tell us about a couple of the more uh, skill position-oriented players. But it is funny, I have to mention, you talk about a long-armed, lighter tackle and I can't help but think of the Bears current tackle, Charles Leno, and how that sounds pretty similar. And hey, who knows? In a redraft, I tend to doubt that Charles Leno, as serviceable enough left tackle, goes in the seventh round again, but it would be kind of funny if the Bears ended up with a player very similar to him, but younger. Hey, either way, nastiness at the point of attack in the run game is what the Bears could use. So if he's got that edge to him, that is something that I'd say 72 lacks. But your call, do you want to spend more time talk about the offensive line or leave that for the rest of the week and tell us about some of the receiving weapons and running backs that you saw?
2: Yeah, uh, I think that I'd like to move on to the receivers. Simplicity. Go for it. Uh, I, I admittedly have a lot more work on those offensive linemen that I'd like to do. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable with these receivers in this class, though, because it's a really talented group. Uh, one guy in particular who stood out to me was Western Michigan, Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, he's a smaller school guy. I believe he's around 5'9 and like uh, 190 pounds or so, but he's fast. They timed him in at 4'3'3. Western oh. Michigan had him in. Yeah. And he put that on display today. Uh, he was explosive coming out of his breaks. He changed direction super suddenly and super uh, crisply. And I was really impressed with how he did in one-on-ones. A uh, couple other guys that I liked, Sage Surratt out of Wake Forest, was uh, had a very good day. De- uh, polar opposite skill set for Mesker. He's a big-bodied possession-type receiver who wins in physical contested catch situations. And he put that on display uh, today in practices as he did on tape. Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma state made a couple of good plays. Austin Watkins out of UAB looked really good. He's the type of guy he didn't necessarily win the uh, measurements because he was listed at six, three at UAB and he measured at uh, a little bit over six but one. Oh uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty big, you know, drop off, but he made up for it with how he played uh, in practice. He was, athletic and explosive coming out of his breaks. And he's pretty intelligent in terms of attacking leverage points there in one-on-ones and shy Smith, shy Smith's the other receiver. I'd like to talk about out of South Carolina. He had some really good catches. There's one in particular, I think it was Newman who was throwing him the ball. I don't remember who was in coverage, but shy Smith, he had a ball that was like all the way up and he had to completely and totally extend and contort his body to square up to the ball. And he did it. And that was probably the best catch of the day. Uh, I'm sure, you know, that's on Twitter there somewhere. I don't know exactly who it was against off the top of my head, but he looked really good too. So, and that's not even mentioning guys like Kadarius, Tony, he, who did good, uh, Nico, Nico Collins out of Michigan. There are a lot of guys that are really talented in this receiver class. So I was impressed with a lot of them. Uh, I think the receivers were a bit better than the corners today. I think some corners like Thomas Graham Jr. out of Oregon was really good. Uh, Ambry Thomas from Michigan had a good day, but yeah, I think the receivers were the stars of this uh, practice here on Tuesday. So I was very, very impressed with how they went. And that's, that's encouraging considering the fact that the bears could be in the market for a receiver at some point in this draft.
1: That's awesome. Before I ask about or any more questions about those, was there anybody that made you look down at your program and go, Oh my gosh, who is that? Like, was there anybody that surprised or
2: performed out of order
1: compared to what you expected?
2: Uh, I'm trying to think here if it's both in a positive light or in a negative light, I feel like, uh, Hmm. You know, that, that is a good question. I got to, (laughs) <laughs> think about that. You're giving me stumpers here. I respect that. Uh, hey
1: that's my job.
2: Yeah. Uh I think one guy who kind of struggled, I guess, was I think Brian Mills out of North Carolina Central, a cornerback. Uh he's, you know, obviously an F uh, I believe he's he's either FCS or Division 3. I don't remember which off the top of my head. Uh but He looked really good on tape, but he didn't necessarily have the best day today in man coverage. I feel like he got beat a little bit and his route recognition necessarily wasn't perfect, which admittedly is, you know, an issue on tape and he got away with being just athletic. Uh, So I'd like to see him take a step up. I feel like he's got a lot of tools, but I think that he was a guy in particular who kind of struggled in man coverage. And there were a handful of those, you know, cornerback types who, kind of struggled against a receiver class that's one of the deepest in recent memory and that's including this past draft where there were like what like 12 13 guys drafting the first two rounds right i mean this class is very close to last year's class i hazarded i don't know if i'd say it's as good but it's really close
1: man That's nutty. I mean, especially given that, like you're talking about, the Bears were able to find Darnell Mooney in the fifth round, and that's just not even that wild with this last class. I mean, guys like Justin Jefferson, Chase Claypool, I could go on naming rookie receivers that exploded. Jerry Judy certainly lived up to his billing, but it is nutty to think of what happened there, and that frankly prompts me asking, do you think, based on what you've seen, there's going to be enough guys in this draft where the Bears could probably find some, with one of their many fifth or sixth round picks. If you were Ryan Pace, would you probably try to stock the cupboard a little bit out wide?
2: Oh, absolutely. I feel like receiver has to be a priority, maybe not the priority, but definitely has to be a relatively uh, big pos- you know, position of need for them going forward. There are a lot of day three guys who impressed me. Uh, Kate Johnson out of South Dakota state. I realized after I published my article uh, I didn't get as much of a chance to watch him. But from, you know, what people I trust said he did a really good job. And then I went to see a little bit of his tape. Uh, and he looked really good, too. He's a day three guy I really like. Uh, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston is one of the fastest guys in this class. Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell, both from Clemson. They stepped up huge for Trevor Lawrence in that offense. And they're, the, all those guys that are at the senior bowl, I can go on and on about receivers who stood out to me Frank Darby from Arizona State there are so many good receivers in this class that I feel like Ryan Pace would be doing himself a disservice not drafting a receiver this year and especially considering where their offense is at they can use as much firepower as they can get so definitely I think that receiver is a position they can attack and there are a lot of senior bowl guys that would fit that bill.
1: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I get that not everybody can be Kansas City, but if Cleveland, who is a run first team with a great offensive line, but they have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and a host of other receiving weapons, and Kansas City are two teams to try to mold your offense after with Mikko Hardman, uh, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey, you can never have enough weapons out on the perimeter. But, you know, it's funny, because with Matt Nagy in the mold of Andy Reid and Doug Peterson let's say I understand he was just fired it does mean that there's a a position that you know some would say it's similar to wide receiver but technically it's not when you saw tight ends in this class how are they looking did anybody stand out at the senior bowl and change your perception of things
2: not necessarily I feel like how the tight ends performed were pretty in line with where I you know evaluated them I feel like Hunter Long out of Boston College, he was my top tight end uh, on my senior bowl board, and I think he looked the best. I think uh, he's got you know, possibly the strongest hands out of the group, and he was able to get open pretty well. Uh, I remember Carrie Angeline out of North Carolina State had, took a couple of reps at t- uh, fullback which was surprising to me because I know he's a good blocker, (laughs) but I don't recall him ever lining up as fullback in the tape that I watched. They have one actual fullback at the senior bowl this year. So it was nice to be able to see uh, a tight end kind of step into that role too. Cause I know that the Packers are planning on doing that with Josiah DeGuara. So that's, you know, an approach that NFL teams have taken in the past where they take a tight end and put him at fullback if he can block well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I feel like this tight end class this year, uh, it's pretty top heavy. I feel like Kyle Pitts is far and away the best guy. Uh, and then Pat Fryermuth is, you know, another player I really like, and Brevin Jordan out of Miami. But other than that, I think it's a lot of early day three guys. Outside of those three, it's, there's a pretty big drop off. But yeah, I think Hunter Long, uh, Kenny Yaboa out of Ole Miss, and Two guys that I've actually had the opportunity to interview over at DraftWire, uh Quentin Morris and Kylan Granson, uh Morris being from Bowling Green and uh Kylan Granson from SMU. Those are two receiver tight end hybrid guys who are a bit undersized for the position, but they're athletic and they can run routes well. And I I mean, I'm a little bit biased towards tight ends who kind of have that receiving skill set. Uh sure maybe they're not the best blockers, but having a really good receiving tight end can really make a difference for an offense. And those two guys, I think they played pretty well, maybe not incredible, you know, but considering the fact that they're day three prospects for the most part uh, that didn't necessarily surprise me. So I think they lived up to the hype. There wasn't a ton of hype and the class wasn't bad. I, I think overall it was a solid day. Right. I mean, one thing to just make clear, I I could make a
1: joke about how you're making it sound like this is Kyle Pitts and last year's draft class, where it is, it, it's just not a lot there. But at the same time, to be totally fair, over the last eight years, we've seen the resurgence of a total of four move tight ends of real value. I can't even count George Kittle. He's not a conventional U tight end. He's more of a true Y tight end that just happens to dominate. I mean, we're talking about Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, I guess it's just three and Darren Waller. Like Those are the guys you're thinking of, right? Not Jason Witten, who's more of that zone positional guy. You're thinking of these fluid, huge bodied people that can get in and out of breaks like a receiver, but they do it against a linebacker, create a ton of space. And it sounds like Kyle Pitts might just be in line to become the next one right
2: yeah Kyle Pitts is a guy that I really loved watching and I mean obviously he's not at the senior bowl this year I believe he's a junior and he declared early uh but truth be told there's been kind of a debate that I've been seeing on Twitter among uh Bears fans it's not a huge one but if Kyle Pitts is available at 20 do you go for it because they drafted Pull Komet in the second round, but he's more of an inline, traditional wide type of tight end. Kyle Pitts, you can line him up wide, you can line him in the slot, you can line him, you know, in line. You can move him around, and he brings the athleticism, the ball skills, the route running ability that I think he can be in that uh, Kelsey, that Waller territory, uh, prime Zach Ertz, uh, those type of guys. That's the type of guy I think Kyle Pitts can be. So yeah. I think it's Kyle Pitts, big drop-off, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, big drop-off, rest of the class.
1: I'll take it one step further, Jacob. I'm already sweating at the thought that Kyle Pitts, if he gets to 14, uh, my stomach's going to be in my throat because I could see the Bears trading up, dot, dot, dot for Kyle Pitts, And it wouldn't even be crazy. Like that actually might not be a bad idea given how tight end centric, some of the best offenses in the league are. And in a West coast system that wants to attack all of the short areas. I mean, I could joke about, and a lot of people have, they've taken unnecessary shots at Trubisky's passing chart, but there is a reason that that zone from behind the line of scrimmage and up through 10 yards is bright green. It's because in an idealized West coast system, which Trubisky has been able to run against weaker opponents that whole like short area of the field is lit up with targets. Travis Kelsey is the primary receiver of most of these in Kansas city. So it wouldn't surprise me if they would see Kyle Pitts is the engine that could make the bears car go. Now I am trying my best, Jacob, to stay, at 20, maybe even trade down. So I I don't know if the Bears should trade up, especially because I worry that all four of those top quarterbacks, like you talk about, could be gone by pick number seven. But this is about the senior bowl. It's not just about the draft, though. I don't know. It's, It's such an interesting conversation, right? Like, what are the Bears going to do? And based on what you've seen at the senior bowl, I guess if you want to talk about running backs, feel free to before talking about just the offense in general. Has anything that you've seen made you go, That's it. That's what the Bears ought to do. They could do this here.
2: Yeah, so I I will touch on the running backs a little bit. Uh, It is admittedly kind of tougher to get much of a reading on them until the actual game itself, Uh, simply because uh, in these drills, it's not like a full game situation in terms of uh, like full-on tackling in terms of, uh, you know, just general, regular, you know, blocking situations, I guess. So but out of the guys that I did see, I think Larry Roundtree out of Mizzou, uh, not to be biased or anything, being a Mizzou fan and all, but he, <laughs> he looked good. He looked good. I was impressed by him. And you know, he's been a guy that I've liked a bit uh in that day three range. And he looked uh decisive and powerful and he showed a bit of juice uh once he got in the open field. So yeah. I think out of the running backs, I didn't get to see too much of Najee Harris. But if I had to choose one standout at running back, it would probably be Larry Roundtree. Hey, that's. Uh-
1: that's cool. And like you're talking about, I mean, I remember just being at bears camp a little while ago, so I can offer thoughts on trying to watch running backs in practice. It's, it's meaningless. I mean, when you tell a running back where the blockers coming from, that defeats the purpose of watching them try to defend a blitz where they don't know where it's coming from and their ability to react to that. Like those live in-game situations, you need the tape to understand that David Montgomery is a buzzsaw against defensive backs. And it's totally different against defensive linemen and like all those little things that you're just not going to get from a running drill or them running through the thing, whatever they call it, the gauntlet where it tries to take the ball out of their hands. Like what are you really going to get from that? It's, it's nice to see him put the work in, but it doesn't mean as much as those one-on-ones for receivers and corners and O-line and D-line, you know?
2: Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because it actually is very similar. The whole structure of it, very similar to uh, bears training camp. So you know, obviously, you and I have both been there, uh, and for the listeners who have been to Bears training camp, you know that it's kind of segmented off uh, with separate you know, positions and all that, and everyone's out doing their own thing, and it can be t- kind of tough to keep track exactly of what's going on at all times. Uh, but yeah, in those run- running back situations, I didn't get to see a ton of... Uh, Can they shed tackles? Uh, What happens in, you know, full speed situations? What decisions can they make? Uh, Can they make guys miss in the open field? So I don't know a whole lot about where they stand with that yet. I feel like what we saw on Tuesday is just kind of like the general running back drills. So yeah, I think that's a very good comparison that you made for sure. Cool.
1: As far as what you saw offensively, because if I had to guess with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, potentially coaching and GMing for their jobs, we could very well see an offensive heavy draft. How offensive depends. I, I mean, I'm almost to the point where I want to see every single pick on offense, but I understand I'm a little nuts. So if, what did you see at the senior bowl that in, in terms of the offense before we get to defense, because it's a two-sided sport uh, that maybe changed your opinion for, for the better, or for the worse.
2: Yeah, I feel like uh, especially the performance of these wide receivers really helped uh, solidify for me that this is a really talented class at the wide receiver position. And, like, I kind of knew that coming in, but especially watching them in uh, warmups and watching them uh, execute these drills made me realize, dang, I mean, the Bears don't even have to draft a guy in round one to get a potential starter at receiver they could wait until, you know, not just round two, but round three. Uh, if they get a fourth rounder, they can wait then round five, round six. There are, there are a lot of talented receivers. So I think that was huge for me. I think the offensive line uh, at least what I was able to see of it impressed me a bit more than I was expecting. I mean, it is a solid uh, group of offensive linemen this year, but they really showed up. And another guy that I probably should have mentioned was a, uh, Deontay Brown, the guard from Alabama. Uh, He was the heaviest guy uh, to come into the senior bowl. I don't have the measurement off the top of my head, but I think he's like 6'3", like 360 pounds or something like that. He's a thick guy. You know, he's built like a a refrigerator or something. And he was really powerful at the point of attack and one-on-ones. And there were a lot of other guys, I think, on the offensive line, uh, at least that I was able to see, you know, admittedly didn't get as much offensive line time as I wanted to watch but from what I saw I feel confident in this offensive line uh, especially considering the fact I expect the Bears to potentially draft multiple offensive linemen in this year's class and while your, your, uh, your Christian Darius or your Samuel Cosme's aren't here at the senior bowl right now uh, even looking on day two like an Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama uh, he was there and he played well Trey Smith out of Tennessee, the guard, he played really well. Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, the center, played well. Uh, There are a lot of guys that the Bears could potentially look at that I think would be really good uh, fits down the line for a team that needs some help up front.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that because one thing that at the very least I've noticed, so I remember I did a big study on Charles Leno last year, and one thing that I noticed in that is that it's extremely hard to find a left tackle specifically outside the first round but you can find right tackles in the first, second, and third round. And you can find interior linemen in as late as the fourth round, maybe the sixth round, depending on the guy. Obviously it's rare basically to find any true starter after round, say five at almost any position in football, but in offensive line and wide receiver, because a lot of data is suggesting that third round receivers and second round receivers are kind of the same. And that sometimes you can get the same value out of a second round receiver uh, from a first round receivers so obviously there's a little bit of transverse property there or a transitive property there which again that doesn't mean third round receiver equals first round talent you all get it it's more that there's a uh that like there's a high enough bust rate on first round wide receivers that like you're saying depending on what the bears do at 20 because i don't know how they would end up with two first round picks what they do in the second and third round could be just as impactful for the 2021 team especially on offense whether it's at Interior offensive line, a wide receiver, tight end, whatever option that they pick there, they can end up being a pretty solid contributor based on the class you seeing, right?
2: Oh, without a doubt. I think that it's a really talented group. And like you were saying, uh, like just in general, not even considering the depth of this wide receiver class, which I'd say a second round receiver in this class isn't too far ahead of a potential third rounder in this class or even a potential fourth rounder. There are a lot of good guys in this class, and I think that there are a lot of potential starters that the Bears are definitely going to look at. I feel like it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they added a receiver at some point. And uh, I would like them to target a tackle over a guard or a center simply because, like you were saying, it's a little bit easier. You can wait on interior guys in certain cases, and plus I don't think that's as big of a need for the Bears as offensive tackle is, but still – I feel very confident just watching these offensive guys go to work today uh, that the bears could be able to get some real difference makers uh, at various points in the draft.
0: And
1: they couldn't need it any more than after what we saw last year on offensive line. I mean, even if these guys just end up as depth, it's an addition to a Bears offensive line that is not just thin, but also maybe a little bit under talented. So, some nasty in the run game, like you're talking about, that you saw sounds really, really great. But, you know, as much as I don't like to, or as much as some of the offensive minded people don't like to admit it sometimes, football is a two-sided game so you've talked a little bit about corners but feel free to just go at this point talking defensive linemen linebackers corners whatever you saw out on the defensive end what surprised you good or bad
2: yeah so I feel like I want to talk a little bit about a couple safeties but mostly on guys along that defensive line, the interior guys and the edge rushers. So I'll start with the safeties to, you know, kind of get that out of the way because I feel like uh depending on what happens with Deshaun Gibson, I feel like safety could be a position the Bears go into this year. Uh Cyril Dean out of Florida State really impressed me. He's six three, about two fourteen. So he's a big guy for safety, but he was incredibly fluid. Uh he changed direction super well. Uh He showed good ball skills when attacking the ball. And I was really impressed with just how he moved, not only that, but how he looked in the box. Uh, He was just as good in the box as he was in single high coverage. So that versatility and that size and that athleticism, I think that showed uh, he's the best safety here at the senior bowl this year. And I think that he really played that role well. Uh, Tyree Gillespie out of Mizzou is another guy I thought had a really good day uh, maybe not as flashy as Nasir Aldean but he looked pretty fluid he had strong hands uh, when he was going up and attacking the ball and he executed run fits well uh, near the line of scrimmage they had him creeping up uh, in potential like blitz packages or just you know defending the run uh, they had him doing a, a decent amount of that too so he impressed me uh, but generally I feel like this defensive line and edge rusher class is kind of unheralded, I guess is the word I can say. I don't even know if that's a real word, but it is. Oh, perfect. There we go. So I'm not just making up words on the spot here. Uh, It was kind of underwhelming just, you know, looking at this group when comparing it to other classes, especially the 2019 one that had so many good defensive linemen and edge rushers. But let me tell you, I was surprised with how well a lot of guys did uh, in this class. I think as far as the pure interior defensive linemen go, Levi Umuzurike out of Washington looked really good. He didn't play at all in 2020, but he looked powerful at the point of attack for a guy who's only like, what, 290 pounds. He was able to uh dominate at the point of attack in one-on-ones. He got doubled quite a bit in scrimmages and he was still able to push the pocket. So it's impressive how, you know, low he was able to get and how hard he was able to rush. I think that he's a guy who could ru- uh, rise into early second round. He's a guy I was a little bit lower on just considering he didn't have any 2020 tape to go off of and uh, size concerns, but he looked really good today. Uh Osa Odigizoa from uh, UCLA looked really good. He's another one of those edge rusher D line tweeners, but he looked explosive, uh, converted speed to power well. Peyton Turner out of Houston, he reminds me quite a bit of Roy Robertson Harris, actually. I feel like you could play him as an, a stand up edge rusher, uh, but I think he's best suited as a five tech with his hand in the dirt. He's kind of that hybrid. I think he's like 6'5, 270 where he's okay. really lengthy and he's, you know, built pretty well. He's a bit he's big for an edge rusher, a little undersized for a true interior guy, but he looked explosive. I liked what I saw with him. Uh, and those are just a handful of the interior guys that I liked. Marvin Wilson, again, probably the biggest name uh, along those defensive tackles. He was powerful, maybe not as quick as some of those other guys, but he really uh, showcased nice power at the point of attack there. Uh And then edge rushers, I'll touch quickly on that here. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I was excited with what I saw out of those guys. Um, Carlos Basham, he's the guy I want to talk about. He was so strong. And I remember we were going over uh, the bag drills and he was just swiping and swatting and jabbing. And he was, uh, he's so strong. Like (laughs) I could, I know I could hear... Uh, a pop throughout the stadium. Like, obviously, there's uh, there's a pretty loud noise that comes in those drills, but Carlos Basham's was definitely the loudest, uh, just how forceful he was and how mean he was. You could tell he it looked like he was, like, truly hating that bag and just, you know, walloping it for all it was worth. It was so much fun to watch. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> and a couple other edge rushers I wanted to touch on. Jordan Smith out of UAB looked really good. Uh, he's one of those uh, a little bit raw, but he's athletic. He's long, he's big. He's got insane physical tools. Quincy Roche out of Miami. Uh, he spent most of his college career at Temple, uh, but transferred to Miami, Florida for 2020. He looked really explosive. In particular, one rep that stood out to me, he was going up against Alex Leatherwood, who's one of my top offensive tackles from Alabama uh, in this class. And he just straight up beat him with a a rip move to the outside. He was quick off the snap. He beat him with quickness. And then he was able to bend and turn the corner effectively. And I really liked that rep in particular. But other reps he had were really good too. So I was really impressed with what I saw for a lot of guys up front. And considering the fact that I thought this was a weak edge class and a weak D tackle class going in, I was really happy to see a lot of those guys show up.
1: And you know, it's awesome to hear that because as silly as it sounds, the bears, I'm just going to make a wild assumption here are probably not going to be interested in the true top end defensive talent, but given whatever happens in this off season, cause there's a lot that could right with the cap, where it is bears at this point, negative in cap space, but also 12th in the league or what is it? 12th worst in the league which really struck me that there's 11 teams in a worse position this means that we could start to see I wouldn't call it a fire sale but depending on how things go say if Kyle Fuller gets traded say Keem Hicks gets traded I doubt Khalil Max going anywhere but you never know Ryan Pace could end up with a lot of picks in that fourth round fifth round sixth round area he already has if memory serves somewhere in the area of three to four so like you're talking about depth in this class and quality depth there becomes ever more important, especially in positions like defense or like in positions like safety, where if it's the right kind of class, you never know. You might find Adrian Amos in the fifth round, right?
2: Yeah. And I feel like this safety class is a handful of those guys on day three that who could potentially fit in as starters down the line. So I wouldn't be surprised if the bears look in that direction. I know that Ryan pace hasn't been too keen on using up super valuable draft capital on safety so he could wait until day three and pick a guy who can potentially start uh, down the line and compete with uh, Gibson if they bring him back or Dion Bush or something like that uh, and then up front I feel like edge rusher you've got Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn had a bit of a disappointing year but you're stuck with him he's starting you're not and- going to
1: not pay him and so you're not going to not play him it's sometimes it is as simple as that
2: yeah, exactly. I mean, they're they're forced to pay him no matter what, so you might as well keep him on the roster uh, if you're paying him that much money. But Barkevius Mingo is a free agent. Uh, they could look for edge help. I was really intrigued, especially with the interior defensive line, because you look at where the Bears are at right now. Akeem Hicks is a free agent after this year. He could go if. Uh, the Bears aren't in a position to compete or they can't afford him. Bilal Nichols is a free agent after this year. He could be too expensive for the Bears to keep. Uh, both of those guys still own one more, year, one more year left on their contracts. Roy Roberts and Harris is a free agent this year. Uh, Mario Edwards is a free agent this year. And even then, he probably isn't coming back with what, the stuff that he's got surrounding him right now, the baggage there. Brent urban's a free agent. I could see him being a little cheaper than the other guys, but still there's a chance a team likes what they see with him and gives him a deal more than what the bears are willing to pay him. There's a lot of future uncertainty surrounding that interior defensive line. And I think that, uh, Sean Desai, you know, start taking over defensive coordinator or any defensive coordinator really likes to have you know, good depth up front. Cause you can rotate guys in They're bigger guys. Their conditioning might not always be the best. So having a nice multitude of defensive linemen there uh, is definitely a valuable asset. And I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if the bears added a defensive lineman on day three, I feel like it's a need. Uh, it's not a big need, uh, but it, it is a need, I think going forward in terms of depth, and not a lot of people are talking about. So I think that uh, the way a lot of guys played in the senior bowl this year, uh, or at least, today in their practices, I feel like was really encouraging from Mm -hmm. a bear's perspective
1: and you know what as much as i've i've said it a couple times already that i want to see a primarily offensive draft you know the more that i'm thinking about it jacob you bring up a really strong point the last time the bears were in this position it was i oh gosh i hope they get the year right i think it was 27 it was 2016 where they needed that bookending defensive tackle the nose tackle as he often plays and they drafted eddie goldman in the second round with sean desai stepping up and us us Assuming that he's going to be bringing back more of that cover to shell-style defense that Vic Fangio and uh, Brandon Staley like to play, that means you need a true three-four defensive line that can stop the run with as few guys up front as possible. And sure, Eddie Goldman's a great guy to do that. And Akeem Hicks actually had kind of a struggle some year doing that. That's a conversation for a different time. The point is, is that like you're saying, it's hard to find a space eater down in the draft. You can find a four-three defensive lineman kind of like Bilal Nichols I think he'd actually fit pretty well in a 4-3 maybe more so than a 3-4 but if the Bears spent a third rounder uh, I, I hesitate to say a second rounder because that needs to be probably an offensive lineman or some other offensive weapon but if they traded back with their first round pick added a third round pick and use that for a defensive tackle that's going to soak up running space I'm not going to end up shocked you know what I mean yeah
2: I feel like uh, Ryan Pace tends to do the thing where you know he doesn't always prioritize the uh, the sexy positions in terms of uh, fr- building a franchise around like uh, your left tackles, your quarterbacks, your edge rushers, stuff like that. Uh, he'll go just for whoever you know is good at a certain position, uh, and I feel like in certain cases, yeah, sure. He has, you know, drafted for need, but for the most part, it's pretty heavy on best player available. Uh, and if that person happens to be a defensive lineman, I think he'd pull the trigger. I feel like with the uncertainty they have going forward at the position, I feel like it could be a, a target for them uh, earlier than we expect. I, don't, I think I'm with you in the fact that uh, it needs to be an offense-heavy draft, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of their defensive picks went towards an interior lineman. Mm-hmm
1: one last er, position group that I'm dying to ask about, because it does seem like you can find some safety talent later. We can talk about corners another day. Sounds like they had a rough one and need a day to acclimate. Who knows? Maybe it was just they all ended up a little surprised uh, by the receiving core in front of them. But linebacker with Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, and, and that's kind of the whole room, definitely yeah. seems like it's going to be getting one of those late round picks. Like you can almost pencil in right now a fifth, sixth, or seventh rounder at linebacker how is the class looking who did you see that stuck out to you and how are they playing in coverage
2: yeah so I feel like with this linebacker class uh there are a handful of guys near the top that I really like but I think the strength uh really comes in that uh late second early third round range I feel like that's the strength of this class there's uh, a drop off after that and I don't think the Bears would be looking that early at linebackers Uh, But regardless, I look at a couple guys. uh, Let's see, Monty Rice from Georgia and Charles Snowden out of Virginia are two very talented linebackers who got invited to the Senior Bowl. Both of them are injured, though, uh, and they didn't play, like, at all. So I feel like that was a big loss for this class. Uh, A couple guys I had my eyes on admittedly didn't get to see as much of the linebackers as I had hoped. Uh, Jabril Cox out of LSU. Uh, looked to be pretty athletic. Chaz Surratt looked athletic as well. Uh, Someone I've got my eyes on in later rounds is Riley Cole out of South Alabama, Uh, actually getting to play in his home stadium uh, because that's where the senior bowl was taking place, uh, Hancock Whitney Stadium. Uh, He's an athletic uh, sideline to sideline linebacker that I like. Uh, So that was definitely – a guy that I was, you know, looking forward to watching. I maybe didn't get as much experience with him as I'd wanted. Uh, But in in, in all the linebacker class kind of showed me that, okay, there are the second, third round guys, and then there's a pretty big drop off. So like the fifth, sixth rounders, like you were talking about, I feel like there are some solid depth options uh, for the bears in this class. Uh, Jacoby Stevens was a safety at LSU, but he worked out quite a bit at, you know, linebacker and he's good in coverage. Grant Stewart is a linebacker safety hybrid for Houston that I thought he did pretty well from what I was able to notice. He looked pretty fluid in movement drills. Uh, I, I had him in a mock draft to the bears, I believe in the uh, fifth or sixth round. So when I'm looking at linebackers for the bears, I, you know, admittedly I do want guys who can play well in coverage because I think that's their best opportunity to play, especially with Danny Trevathan. Uh, getting older and a little bit slower you if you have a linebacker who you can you know he's maybe not as good against the run but he's more athletic and can move around and cover guys uh, well I think that that's your best chance to try and get some contributions on defense out of that position so yeah I feel like there are a couple guys who can fit that mold it's not a great linebacker class but there are some solid talents and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears uh, attack that as a position of need in terms of depth. Couldn't agree with you more.
1: I mean, like we saw in 2018, the worst thing that can happen for a defense, which is often a weakest link gambit. Like when one big guy goes down, sometimes so too does the whole defense. The bears need a backup for Roquan Smith. They don't really have one as it stands. And the part about Roquan Smith's game that not a lot of people talk about, I am not trying to naysay. Roquan stepped up in a huge way. He's an awesome player. One of the bears keys is he's not really fabulous against the run. I mean, let's be clear here. When he's unblocked, he's a dynamo against the run, but that's a big asterisk to put on a linebacker when there are plenty of linebackers around the league, Levante David being just an example, they can stack and shed and make a play. So with that in mind, like you're talking about, a converted safety sounds like not so bad an option where you're potentially making, you're creating for yourself an ultralight linebacker who's going to come in, play the linebacker spot in coverage and do his best in the run fits, and he's not going to match Roquan Smith, there's a reason Roquan Smith was taken at number eight, and there's a reason that he started to make the plays that he did, especially later in the season, where his coverage was nothing short of immaculate, dare I say, elite, but considering that Roquan's Achilles heel will always be the run game you could probably take a guy if you're if you put your thinking cap on that is a little harder to replace uh, from like just off the street where you can find a Josh Woods run game guy and instead go for a coverage linebacker that hey if he's weak against the run so be it but at least you've got a true backup for number 58
2: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like in, you know, such a pass heavy league like the one we're in right now, uh, getting a linebacker who can cover is an invaluable asset. It's something that, you know, uh, you can you really appreciate out of that position. And it's become more and more important to be able to cover uh, at the linebacker position. So that's why a lot of safeties we've seen uh, at the collegiate level have been transitioning over to linebacker. And there are a handful of guys in this class, I think, could make that switch.
1: That'd be awesome to see. Well, we're, or we're hitting a good length for a show. So go ahead and close up thoughts on senior bowl day one and expectations for day two.
2: Yeah. So, uh, day one of this class really showed me that this is an offensive heavy draft and that bodes well for the bears. Uh, a lot of good receivers, uh, the quarterbacks in this senior class, maybe not necessarily elite but there are some intriguing talents there and it's deep at offensive line so considering where the bears are at right now that's a really you know really good news for them uh and i also might have underestimated up front defensively you know how good this class is sure maybe not a ton of round one guys but there are a handful of starters in this class and i think that today really showed that going forward i am looking forward to seeing a little bit more of the offensive linemen. Uh, as well as seeing if the cornerbacks can bounce back. Because as a position group, uh, there were a couple of you know, smaller school guys who maybe not have had as much experience in that regard. Uh, but I'm generally looking forward to see if they can bounce back because I think the receivers got the best of them overall.
1: Makes sense to me. I'm excited to hear what happens because this right here, this senior bowl really feels as if it's going to lay expectations for how the draft or the meat of the draft for bears fans where sure we could talk about Mac Jones versus Kyle Pitts versus an offensive tackle in round one all day. But the real difference maker here is going to be Ryan Pace's hot zone rounds four, through what seven and that's where I feel like the senior bowl really shines so it'll be really cool to hear what happens from here thank you Jacob so much for coming on hopefully I'll catch up with you again tomorrow but for now where can fans find you your, uh, and the work that you're doing on the senior bowl and the rest of the draft online
2: yeah for sure so uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at jacobinfante 24 uh, if you're not already I'm having up-to-date Senior Bowl uh, updates there, maybe not as full-fledged and uh, as thought out as the stuff I'm putting out on Windy City Gridiron, which is where I'm doing a primary, uh, most of my draft work. I'm also going to do some stuff for USA Today's draft wire uh, later in the week once things have started you know, concluding and calming down a little bit. But yeah, Windy City Gridiron, I'll be having daily recaps and then I'll be hopping on uh, podcasts like this one, uh, which I'm hoping to, uh, be able to, uh, do a handful more, uh, as this week goes on. So yeah. Uh, Twitter though, that's where I'm having my, uh, up to date in the moment analysis. So you guys can check me out there. And then some of my, uh, more articulate thought out stuff you can find here, uh, in writing and in audio form.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jacob, uh, for jumping on. I know you've had a busy day, so I won't keep you any longer. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you later.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Robert.
1: Of course. And folks, that's going to do it for today's show. If you liked what I had to say, feel free to follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz or check me out on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion. And of course, you can find Jacob at the Twitter handle he mentioned earlier. We will probably be recording another podcast tomorrow and throughout any other day that Jacob isn't on a different podcast throughout his stay in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. So stay tuned to the Windy City Podcast channel. You may be hearing plenty of jacob and Plenty about these draft prospects but that's gonna wrap up this episode so until next time bears fans bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me